Hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators. We've all illustrated for all the major publishers in the business. Together, we've all published somewhere around 50 children's books, 75 children's books. And we've all taught illustration at university art programs. That is correct. Each week we come at you guys with different listener questions or fantastic interviews. Sometimes we argue, sometimes we agree, but every time you're going to learn something brand spanking new. Brand spanking new. And today we have questions from our patrons. This is a patron uh, 3PP hotline episode. So if you've got a question, you're going to get it answered today. If you put it in our Patreon um, uh I don't want to say the chat. It's the comments on the post that we did for questions. So mm-hmm. let's just get right down to it. Uh, question number one or, or first first uh, victim here is Nada Serfimovic. Serfimovic? That's a not used to the last name, but how can we get a portfolio review from you guys is what they asked. So mm-hmm. let's look up Nada's. I was looking at Nada's portfolio uh, just before we got together today. And mm-hmm. um, I have it loaded up here. I'm going to just share my screen. And by the way, I know her from okay. YouTube because she's talking and, and Facebook and stuff. And so we've talked a bunch of times and messaged. And she's a very okay. serious um, student, uh, um, illustrator. Cool. So you go to, you go to Nada's website and it says, I am. Uh, I'm an illustrator. I'm an independent freelance artist with 10 plus years of experience. And we see this movie running in the background. So it's big, bold letters. Um, and uh, and there's like a film, close-up shots of, of Nada working on painting and stuff. Scroll down. We get an about section. We get a follow me on YouTube. We get an order the book by Nada. I, and then... I don't know if this website's finished or not because I'm not seeing actual artwork and I'm having trouble finding the button to click on. Wait, did you keep uh, going down? Because there's underneath. Whoops. You... Yeah, I kept scrolling down there. It was just, I don't know if the page was fully loaded or. Oh, if your it... page must not load it because mine is showing the portfolio just after that book. Okay, good. Because I was worried. I'm like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This website's giving me either giving me problems. Do you want to share your screen? Because it's like, for whatever reason, it's not loading for me. All right. So I'm sharing the screen right now. This is the portfolio section. So it's just under that book. So you were able to see this, right, Jake? No, I didn't even see the book. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah. Oh, you saw this? Order the book? Yeah, I saw that. Maybe I saw that. So I saw the description the of the book, but I didn't see the image of the book. Okay, so she's got a cool little uh, kind of a walkthrough page, like a page turn mm. with audio. It's like you guys probably can't hear that, but when I click the arrow, it's it sounds like the pages are turning. That's pretty. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty fun way to um, to look at the book. Okay, so if I keep scrolling down, we we do finally get to the portfolio. That's the first critique that I want to do before we even get into the artwork. I feel like we had to dig a bit to see the work, um, mm. and so I think those orders. You know, this is a Squarespace web- website, which it probably is. I would just switch those orders and get that portfolio up top. Exactly. I don't think People you even need to that say work. that what you are. I think it's it's if anybody's coming to your website. They've already done the search terms, illustrator, children's books, professional. You know, if they're coming by it randomly, 
they they're they're not going to accidentally stumble on your page and not have any idea what it is. So they're going to know you're some sort of illustrator who has experience and judging by your art looks like professional experience. Go so, back to the top, Lee. Yeah. So go yeah. straight to the artwork and and if someone's coming there because you sent them there, they already you've already introduced yourself to them. So they they don't need to mm-hmm. it's like a um you want to get them straight to what they're there for, and that's to see your work. Yeah, yeah. I like it's neat that to have stuff. that video. I like the I like the video. It's a little dark. Well, because it has to highlight the type, and that's what I was going to say. Is that video is amazing? I want to see it. Yeah. Outside the area. But, of the type. Well, and you could they could be lighter and still highlight the type. Yeah. Yeah, I, but I would say put that underneath the work. Yep, we need to mm-hmm. see the work first and foremost. Let's t- let's talk a little bit about the work. Um, do you guys have any any first hit kind of thoughts on it? Looking at it, she's got a, um, I would say like a, a linear style. There's like a lot of line work going on in there. Um, good handle on color. And I'd say pretty good line control too. I don't think her this kind of stuff here the the more painterly approach is as strong mm-hmm. as her yeah, line work and color p- approach so um, i think there's a way to to um in the children's book style to have more line and also a little bit more there needs to be more um academic drawing skills um like with mm-hmm. the, like go back to the the uh, yeah that one um so in drawing that, it's basically a lizard dinosaur kind of creature. Um, mm-hmm. The pose, like like Jake, if you were to, to rework this or if we were to do a draw over, yeah. we'd change the pose a lot and the anatomy. And that's probably the thing that sticks out the most on here that needs work. Um, mm-hmm. the, the figure is a lot more convincing than the main um, character animal the human figure and it's yeah. done just in enough of a realistic style where i mean i would never confuse this with photorealism so i'm not going there but it's done realistically enough in terms of lighting and weight and pose and all that stuff that you guys see the 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 lizard and her are on a, a one plane and then about around the back feet the the floor plane just tips right up mm-hmm. to yeah. a, like a ski hill Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you got to get those things right. If you're going to be kind of funky with the perspective, there needs to be funkiness everywhere. It needs to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it that doesn't stuff like that, uh, I think kind of betrays because like this next scene, which is also from the same book is, is totally convincing in terms of the space. Mm-hmm. I got to I got to say too, uh, kids these days know like every dinosaur fact. They they all check out the dinosaur books. They know, you know the the front and back of a dinosaur, and so this is a T Rex. And just you gotta get one of the things right. And that T Rex don't have thumbs, and they don't have three, you know, fingers. Like they have two like little claw things. And so I just feel like it's such a nitpick note, but I feel like that's that's just gonna save you. 20 emails from, you know, eight, you know, eight year olds using That's their true. mom's email address mm-hmm. <laughs> saying, um, your T-Rex has three fingers. That's an Allosaurus. It's not a, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, I, I think she's been doing it long enough. I'm going to give a like kind of a, a broad statement. Is I feel like it. There's some specificity in how she's making the marks, but it still feels a little generic um, to me. The style doesn't feel locked down. I guess that's mm-hmm. what I feel like, and I don't know why. I don't know how to remedy that per se. But do you guys feel that? Yeah, yeah some, like some pieces are stronger than others. You know, mm-hmm. like this one is stronger than go back to. Um, the main, the upper right, the dream book. So the, I'm just looking at the cover. Oh, it takes a second to load. Yeah. Which is more, way more painterly. And I feel like it, it lacks um, the control. It's painterly in places that it needs more control and controlled in places that aren't as important. Yeah. And that's that's something that happens. Um, um, this is, you know, this this the the underlying problem here is you really got to lean into your your strengths and what what you're good at, and you might not even know it until you have an outside eye like look at it. And the color is good, the line work is good, but the um, but the the sort of the rendering the hyper rendered painting type of approach here still is just lacking i i would say so and and that's not a that doesn't mean you can't work on that and and get there um but i think to get professional work and to be um and to and to get consistent work you really got to put the stuff that you're good at front and center and and wait until you're better at the 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 more painterly stuff before you, I think, showcase it like that. I yeah. know that's kind of like tough love type of thing, but I, I think the best one, the best piece is this one to me, and it's because mm-hmm. she's using all the yeah. strength. The, the the color in a lot of the pieces tends to get away from her. That like basically it's kind of a rainbow sort of assortment. It's every color. And it's and so you don't get much focus, but this this we're looking at a magazine cover right now, and it's got really beautiful toned line work into this like dark kind of turquoise, and the but the whole piece is analogous to these blues and greens, and it really really looks fantastic. This is the mm-hmm. best piece mm-hmm. in the whole group, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that shows agree. like all like that's the that's the potential that every piece can be like you hold up every piece and put it next to that and see where does it, where does it lack? Where does it, where does yeah, it Because I mean, like, if I click this one, not even the same artist, you know, yeah. it doesn't even seem like the same. Compositions, the same lopsided. The colors all over the place. It looks a little more like a, like a childlike compared to the sophisticated. This looks whimsical and fun, but it doesn't look like a kid drew it. It looks very just, it looks gorgeous. So mm-hmm. this is your mark. Um, and it's great to have those pieces because like, they're just saying, like if that's your that's your mark, that's your high high water mark. I and mean, so I do that too. That. I'll I'll put up a piece that I did that I'm really proud of, and just have it up so I can remind myself you can do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Here's the potential. Um, it, it's less effective. The more she draws, the less effective it becomes. Look, mm-hmm. like this face is so overly rendered. Um, yeah. So where do you simplify and? Control the more colors you add, the less it works. The more detail mm-hmm. you add, the less it works. Unless you control that, like you did here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
So there's 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 a goal to shoot for, I think. I think you just got to rein it in, figure out what marks you want to make and and control it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, should we do the next one? Yep. Well, let's let's uh chat one second. Um so we are starting our finally portfolio reviews at SVS Learn and we are starting that with our patrons. Um and that's going to be started within the month. Uh we have four or five teachers on tap and we those are going to be launched soon. We're going to announce it to you guys. Uh, before anybody else gets it. So that's coming up. If you do want a, a, a critique, that's going to be part of the options. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Our next uh, one comes from Lucas. Uh, he's Lucas Damgard. He's a Copenhagen-based illustrator, 31 years old, and been working professionally for 13 years and is now also moving into the animation industry. So here's his predicament. He wants to write and illustrate his own stories, but he's been procrastinating for years by learning one craft after another, writing, painting, drawing, along with 3D fundamentals and animation. He says, I could see a pattern here, and I know I'll just keep studying the crafts in order to avoid putting myself out there and tell my stories. So how can we overcome our fears and cultivate the courage to create what we are here to do? Uh, with a link to his portfolio. And that actually goes right along with, if you sc- uh, scroll down on the comments, there's another uh, question from Jeremy Thomas. He says, when's the right time to obs- to stop obsessing over te- technique and find your own artistic expression? And that's mm-hmm. that's really good. Like That's a good, good topic because there's safety in learning because um, you're getting, you're essentially getting hand-fed what you need to do step-by-step when you're going through tutorials, when you're learning the craft, like you're learning a new program like Blender, how to do modeling in 3D. You go through all the Blender tutorials and you just make, (coughs) you know, you make the donut, the 3D donut, you make the 3D sword in the stone and and you get all the things and and you're learning. And and if you ever stray a little bit, you can just look at the thing that you're trying to do and, and see where you're off. And it's the same with watercolor, taking all the lessons through watercolor and character design and stuff like that. Now, what happens and why you're afraid to do, to go like venture out into the unknown, it's because there's there's so many ways it can go sideways, so many ways it can go wrong. And the nervousness and the anxiety that, that comes with that is real. And I know that feeling. And my advice to you is to start small with a very concise, like, finishable project. Now, that could be, I want to come up with a print that I can sell in my shop, or I want to come up with a five-page story. doesn't have to be a full children's book. just has to be a you know, five-page, once upon a time this happened, and this happened because of it. Mm-hmm. And, and this is sort of your stepping stone. So you get this... Um, this sort of feedback loop of I made a thing, I finished it, I got feedback on it. I I know that, and, and, and I think the other part of this is know that you want to do these in su- succession. Like as soon as you finish one, the next month, I'm going to do another one. The next month, I'm going to do another one. And if you set up this pattern, whether you could do it, I'm going to do it daily or I'm going to do it monthly or I'm going to do it every week. You know, even if you mess up on it, you've got another one coming right behind it the next week or the next mm-hmm. month. And, and you could just, you know, take the mistakes 
that you learn from and apply it to the next thing. So I think the, the solution to this is small, finishable projects that you can then present and show and share or sell or whatever. What do you guys think? I just want to add to that. Sorry, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lucas looks young. And um, if you look at any professional uh, author, illustrator, they've got, you know, if you see their first stories, you know, he's talking about writing stories. You see the first mm -hmm. ones. I know, Jake, you were like writing stories when you were a kid, right? Yeah. Like comics and stuff. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're awful. They're great for the age that you're at, but they're awful in terms of like, you know, comparing mm -hmm. them to the best stuff that's ever been done in the world. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the, the thing that is the toughest to work through for artists is to get through, like to keep going as you are doing work that doesn't measure up to your vision. Mm -hmm. And, and if you can keep, take what you learn, take, the, the the small failures or some some things can be successes and failures at the same time but you take them you learn from them you you grow and every time you put out something new it's a little bit better it's a little bit better it's a little bit better and all of us if we go back to our original stuff like i'm embarrassed like like i i've shown some of my early work on my youtube channel and I'm like almost as a as an exercise to for growth, you know, to like, to be able to be comfortable with who I was and to let people see that it's not just an Instagram life that we live in, you know, where we just show only our best stuff and, and to be comfortable mm -hmm. with the fact that, that we came from somewhere. And, um, but if you do that, you, you have to start, you have to, you have to start like, like Jake said, start small and, and just keep working, keep putting stuff out. And eventually you will look back and go, I can't believe I'm here. That's what I'm doing. I, I can't believe I'm where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. I just can't believe it sometimes. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm taking a look at his work right now. And so uh, to add to what Will's saying there, I mean, you do got to, you could definitely got to start, but you need to pick what path you're on. Looking, looking at the work on his Instagram page, it's, it's competent, but it all looks like uh, a start and then, okay, I'm done with that. Now, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to pick this thing way over here and I'm going to mm -hmm. do this. And it's mm -hmm. totally different than the first thing. Um, and then the net and then, okay, finish that. Okay. Now what I'm going to go over here and I said, well, not even finish that. They all look like studies sort of, but they are so wildly different. Mm -hmm. Um, you got to pick what path you're going on. Um, I, I, my analogy would be like, you know, if I'm going to go on a hike, I can't do all the hikes. I got to pick one <laughs> and it needs to be you know, a linear path. Um, right. not, go ahead, Jake. I, I, I keep thinking of Bill Watterson who did Calvin and Hobbes, right? Mm -hmm. And you look at every other comic strip prior to him and it was, you know, you look at peanuts or you look at. I don't know, Heathcliff, uh, you look at Garfield, and pretty much you have these almost cookie-cutter um, comic strips where it's a gag at the end, the, the, the same round of characters doing the same thing over and over, and there really isn't much change in perspective or uh, characters or subject matter. And then along comes Calvin and Hobbes, and Calvin has this amazing imagination. And if you look at Bill Watterson's background, he was doing um, uh, editorial cartoons prior to that. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, when you do editorial cartoons, it's based on whatever's happening in the news, right? And so someday you're drawing a, you know, one day it's a, it's a politician. You got to do a politician caricature. The next day you're doing, you know, a critique on an Iraq, a war in Iraq or something like that, right? So there's there's all this breadth. And, and I think he craved the variety that came with that. And doing a daily comic strip is something very monotonous, and and it's the same thing over and over. But if you look at what he did, is he brought some of that variety into Calvin Hobbes. So Calvin has this amazing imagination. Some days he's a dinosaur. I guarantee Watterson was like, I don't want to draw Calvin today. I can't draw this boy and tiger one more time. Shoot, I'm going to do dinosaurs today. And the next, you know, the next Sunday, it's uh, he's imagining he's on on an alien planet and he's drawing aliens that day. And the next, you know, you know, there's all this breadth of style from super realistic like film noir that you've seen in some of the strips mm-hmm. to. You know, just the goofiest stuff to just the regular, like, I'm tired. All I have in me is to draw this boy and this tiger, and I'm just going to do, you know, a really simple strip. So I think that's kind of the, if you have that mindset, like, I have all of these desires. I like painting. I like 3D modeling. I like doing life drawing, but I also like doing zany character designs, is you, is maybe you come up with some sort of world project comic strip something in that vein where it allows you to do the same thing over and over, but you can experiment and fold it into that um, uh, from, from one time or another. I think children's books is a, is a great thing there. You know, you, you can, uh, you can shift styles from time to time. And Mm -hmm. as long as it, you know, some artists, illustrators like really have it dialed in a certain style and, and that's what they're known for, and they're having success, and it's really detrimental that they change, you know, that they don't change styles. But I think you have other, you have other illustrators who are like like Chris Van Allsburg, who, you know, it's going to be pastels one day, it's going to be you know pencil rendering another for another book, it's going to be oils for another book. Uh, I think the the thread that that strings them all together it feels like chris van allsburg is like the uh, is like the the tone and the mood so find some i guess short answer is find something where it's consistent but i think caters to this need that you have to like explore still that's good advice perfect all right Next one is mark robinson this year's my goal is to completely support my family through my art Wow, that's a that's a good goal. Reaching out to publishers is one part, but I want to sell my own prints as well. I'm struggling to build a social media following on Instagram. Is it even realistic these days to build a decent fan base organically? Um, and then with a link to his his uh, Instagram website. Looking at his art, you guys, um, and looking at I want to see how many followers he has here. Just shy of a of a thousand. 800 something. This is a critique arena, um, contributor with, Mm -hmm. uh, with what was it? Glow. He did that glow glow one with the alligator and the glowing things. Was he sandbagging or did he make it for critique arena? We may never know. (laughs) (laughs) We may never know. No, he made it because he's showing the drawing at the same time that he made it. All right. 
Well, he did win, didn't he? He got... He did, yeah. He, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just looking at it, so, I, to describe his style, if you're listening to this, it's very illustrative. It's almost like a, it's got a Justin Gerard flavor to it. Definitely uh, he likes fantasy. the Justin Gerard influence there. Yeah. He's got definitely a thing about fantasy, uh, character design. Okay, so the question is, how do I grow on on, on Instagram? Nobody's going to have uh, more than 100,000 followers with only 36 posts. So that's mm-hmm. one thing, is your, your follower to post ratio is, is, you know, is about on par, right? If you look at all the top accounts, they have posted thousands of pictures over years, right? And so, um, and so, and I get there to some degree, there was a time where you could go on Instagram, post pretty frequently. There wasn't a ton of competition on there and you got a lot of followers. Mm -hmm. I still think it's possible to do that today. If you have a unique style, you post daily, Mm -hmm. if you want to grow it in a year. And, uh, you know, if you want to grow it to a certain you know, 10,000 in a year or something like that, you definitely have to get on a daily posting schedule or five days a week or something like that. The other tactic that works is, and and this is the the hardest part, is how do you balance the marketing with the making, right? Mm-hmm. How do you balance those two things? If the goal is to grow your Instagram account, you go on any account that has you know, 100,000 followers or more, and you set up notifications that you're notified right when they post. And when they post, you have a thoughtful comment that is not just, oh, that's fire, you know, with a fire emoji. But it's like, oh, I, it, it could be if it's witty is, is really helpful or if it's introspective or something. So that the person following you or the person who just posted that, the, the way the, the the way it works is they usually post and for the next hour they're checking to see if that post is getting likes, if it's getting comments, and they're most likely gonna read your comment then instead of ten hours later or the next day. And so if they like your comment, they're gonna put a little heart next to it and your comment's gonna float to the top and more people are gonna see it. And if you consistently do this on these big accounts what happens is people are like, who's this person that that has all these thoughtful comments? I might as well look at their profile. Oh, they have great art. They're posting every day. Follow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I've seen that. I've seen it works. It just That's just how it works. It takes a lot of work. There's no shortcut to this. And uh, and that's how you organically like grow your, your followership. Pound for pound, buck for buck, whatever time, minute for minute. I think if you're able to do a YouTube channel, I think you'll have a much better, uh, in the long run, I think you'll have a much better following, a much more stable following who will support mm-hmm. your work than if you're just you know, posting you, on Instagram. You know what I think the secret to YouTube is, by the way? What? Yeah, tell me. If you're trying to do that. And it's... It's, it would be an insane amount of work. It's not something that I would ever want to do myself. Mm-hmm. But if you can post daily, and, and, and the key is to have something interesting to say, something meaningful, something useful, 
which is almost impossible. But if you can, that's those are the channels that grow the fastest. YouTube. I was listening to an interview with um, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Caleb something. He grew his YouTube channel to a million followers in three months. He's not an artist, but but he got he solved a problem. He got something viral and just went with it. And this mm-hmm. is a guy, the interview was like, for seven years, he's been like working on YouTube videos uh-huh. and he started different channels and he came up with the idea. You've probably seen it. Um, one of these is, hey, can I ask how much your rent is in New York City? And he's just walking down the street. Have you seen mm-hmm. those? Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, I paid 3000 a month. Oh, cool. Can I see your apartment? Yeah, sure. Come on up. And so then he tours the apartment, lays in their bed, <laughs> you know, that's like one of those things. <laughs> And then it's done. And what he what he figured out was, it, like, everybody wants to know where somebody lives and how much <laughs> they're paying, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny. Everybody wants to know that. Whenever you go on a walk down the down your neighborhood or anything, and you notice like a window's open on one of the neighbors' houses, do you like kind of just glance in to see what? Like, <laughs> always. Do they have always. artwork on the wall? You know, I don't <laughs> want to get arrested, so no. I don't. No, well, yeah. You don't like go up to the window and, and, and peer in with your hands cupped over your <laughs> over your face. But but there's something very primal there that I think he's he's tapped into, right? And and the first one worked and went viral to a degree and he just went with it, rolled with it. And now he gets people contacting him saying, Hey, can I, you know, in the DMs, they'll be like, hey, can you come check out mine? I'm really proud of my space and I want to show it off. And and so he's just got you know, he does random ones. He does things that are set up. Even that lady from Shark Tank, mm-hmm. uh, Barbara something, I, don't, I forget mm-hmm. her name, but she DM'd him and she's like, hey, you want to come check out my apartment in New York City? Oh, man. And and uh, I'm getting way off topic here, but the point is, um, the point is, is uh, it is what possible is to grow an audience today if you have a good idea. If you're just a normie, like mm-hmm. I'm just rolling up, I'm going to do what I've always done, you're going to get the same results. But if mm-hmm. you figure out a way, like there's this other viral guy, photographer, who does the street thing. And he's, he'll just say, hey, can I take a portrait of you? I'm a portrait photographer. I'm a street portrait photog- uh, phot- photographer. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, yeah. And he takes the photos and then he shows like the finished thing and they're remarkable. Really, really beautiful stuff. And so it, these little shorts tell a story. They're like, uh, you know, is he going to get turned down? Are they going to accept it? How's the photo going to turn out? Are they going to love it? And uh, and so it's a beginning, middle, and end right there. Same with the, with the apartments. So what do you do with art? You know, off the top of my head, if I were going to do this thing and I was really motivated and I didn't have a billion other things to do, it would be I'd sit down for a couple of days, make 30 YouTube videos, going through all my, you know, these shorts, going through all my old drawings and just be like, okay, the the, the prompt is uh, dinosaur jetpack uh, motorcycle. I already have that drawing somewhere. I'm pretty sure of it. But mm-hmm. I would pretend pulling them out of the hat, you got to fabricate things a little bit or you can do it for real, whatever. You know, how am I going to make this work? You show the struggle and then within a minute you see the final thing. It's entertaining. There's a beginning, middle, and end. You do that consistently and 
pretty soon you've got people people following you. If you mm-hmm. can add in some sort of live element to it, like you know, I'm gonna have my three year old pick the pick the prompt, and you know, or I'm gonna have this random stranger on the street and pick the prompt, you know, something like that. It you know, that's a way to like really have some some curiosity. Uh, mm-hmm. Like infused into the thing that you're doing. Can can I mean, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna disagree. Oh, boom! I'm I'm gonna argue. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, maybe maybe it's not even an argue. It's I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, all this stuff sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> it, it, it sucks. <laughs> well, it that's sucks. because I, it's it. Jake Jake got in in the early. He, you know he he was in the the old west when all the gold was just sitting on the ground, and he came in and collected it all. <laughs> He's like, guys, you want to get all this gold? It's on the street. Just come grab it. I, but all of us latecomers, we heard about the gold. We were on a different coast or something, and then we heard about the gold. We got here. There's no more gold in the street. So I post, and I post, and I post, and I post. And I mean, I agree. I haven't done this little song and dance where I've got to now go interview somebody about something. I got to do this little clever little tap dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and my Instagram account is stuck, and I post fairly frequently not every mm-hmm. day. I mean, I, can I make be better about it? Absolutely. But at frick, at some point, I need to make some I'll make my artwork, and right. and the growing isn't happening. I tried even boosting post posts and stuff like that. And I, are we at a point of market saturation that unless you come up with that, hey, how much do you pay for your apartment in New York? You got this hook, and that that's mm-hmm. great if you can do it. But man, it sucks. I just want to mm-hmm. say that, and it's and, no, and it's you, it's you're right, awful. You're well, right. but I, because you want to create and you want to put your head down and just create. And that's pretty much what all of us wanted to do. We we love putting on our music or putting on a show or whatever we're doing and sinking into the piece that we're working on. And, mm-hmm. and most artists would be happy doing that every day and never having to do social media. I can't tell you how many times we ask, do I have to do social media? We don't want to do it. But there's reality that no, a lot of the most it, successful people the doesn't happen. are figuring out a way to do it in a creative way and they're getting more traction, you know, like, but, like I'm yeah. getting sales on my, on my, my pickleball book already on Amazon because I'm sharing that with my YouTube channel and I let my YouTube channel die it pretty much, you know, like I, you know, well, you Lori were posting, but the people were still there. There, some of them were there, but I lost a ton of traction, a ton. Yeah. And what my 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 goal is is um, I'm I just made a contract. I said I'm going to share a video every week mm-hmm. about this new project, and I'm going to share the creation of it, who I'm working with, the marketing, my sales figures, my costs, any aspect of it. And it'll probably last a year, maybe longer, and I'll make updates as I have more information mm-hmm. beyond that, you know, um, so that anyone that's, and it's a small group of people who want to do what I'm doing. I mean, compared to the, the populace, right? So I'm not going to mm-hmm. go viral doing it, but I am going to really help a lot of people. And that really makes me feel good. I love, um, I love doing it. And, uh, and there's a lot of people that are, you know, every day on the comments are like, thank you so much for doing this. this is so valuable. It's trash to most to 99.9% of the people on YouTube, 999, mm-hmm. but it's gold to 0.0001% of the people. And that's fine. I mean, that's, that's how you build an audience, right? Yeah. I, guess. I mean, I mean, in theory, the, 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 the thing is, is it, <laughs> 
it depends on the work that you're trying to get. It depends on the thing that you're trying to sell, right? So a massive Instagram following doesn't do you any good if you're trying to get a job in the animation industry or Mm -hmm. even if you want to get into publishing. The only person you have to really win over is the art director that hires you, okay? That's one person. Mm -hmm. You just have to worry about one follower, right? If you want to sell, do do a, uh, an awesome Kickstarter that sells, you know, three thousand units of something, it really helps to have that massive Kickstarter or massive Instagram following or, or YouTube YouTube following, right? If you want to, for example, sell, you know, I know an artist who's selling cards to um, to gift shops, right? If you want to do that, all you got to win over is fifty gift shops. And then you've got, you know, you got 50 accounts and, and, uh, and you're selling, you're selling enough cards to, to make a really good either side hustle, or maybe it's even a main gig. Right. Mm -hmm. So you really have to figure out what is it, what is it you want to do? And, and if the, if you want to play the Instagram game, you have to pander, (laughs) you have to pander to the audience. Gotta do the dance. My, my concern is that the dance doesn't work anymore anyway. I, I, here's here's my here's my theory that we should test. We should we should pick a random person that's pretty good, but mm-hmm. it has a small like like, uh, like Mark um, that we were just looking at, right? Um, yeah. Take him. He's got 850 followers. Guide him. Do all all the advice and just document how much it grows and Have see him do it, a case my, study. A case, a case study. That's where I'm going with that. I guess it's a better way of saying. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, will it work? Because he's got the work. He's got. He's a good artist, and he doesn't have many followers. If he posts every day, his Instagram account's very young. As I was looking through it, mm-hmm. it looks like it's three to four months old. Really. I mean, he's got a couple older ones. Yeah. Mark, send us an email. It's January. It would be the perfect time. What can you do in a year? And we'll check back in a year. Let's do the the, okay. the Mark test. I well, let me get you guys this. You want to look at someone. Um, I met this guy in little small town, Safford, Arizona. His name's Brant Woods. We should probably have him on, on the show interview him. And this is a guy who, um, who does comics. He is a former SVS. I don't know if he's former. He may be current SVS. Um, you met him in Safford. It's yeah. like a, the Bumblebee town, a little like, uh, it's, you know. It's twice the size of Radiator bumpkin. Springs from Cars. So it's big. It's a bigger town than that, <laughs> <laughs> right? No, my, my in-laws live there. So we we visit there every, every so often. And what did this guy do? How did he like kind of make it work as an, as an artist? Go to Brant Woods on Instagram, at Brant Woods. 47,000 followers. He really leaned hard in hard on Reels. And his thing is murals, okay? Right now, it's the thing he's working on is murals. And he came up with this thing was, I was going to do, or he said, I'm going to do Inktober. For Inktober, I'm going to do murals. I'm going to do 31 murals, 31 days, right? I've seen and this it's a guy small on town. Instagram. He really, we need to have him on and have him tell the story. But what he does is he does these uh, really yeah, engaging, captivating reels. Some of them have gone Viral. viral. You know, yeah, I know. That was right away. I was uh, like, I recognize this guy. I've seen him on uh, TikTok. Yeah, getting twenty thousand views, thirty thousand views on these. And a mural is a good story. You know, here's this wall. Here's 
here it is blank. Here's my design for it. Here's me painting it. Here's the finished thing, right? Um, he's got a 7 million view reel, which th- th- that's the one where I was like, I was like, dang, that's really good. And it's a surprise bedroom mural. He sent his wife away on a on a mini vacation or work work retreat or something mm. like that. And when she was away, he painted a mural in their bedroom in like the style that she really liked. As she came back, and her reaction was like awesome, right? And so that gets sent, that gets shared around, that gets you know wives sending it to their husbands. Why don't you do this for me? It mm-hmm. gets you know. <laughs> so he's making these little mini stories. Right. Is what this is, and uh, and so I talked to him. So he, my in laws, hired him to do a, a mural on the side of their building. They have a they have a auto shop, and and so I went and helped him one day. We painted it, and we talked for like an hour while we were painting it, and kind of picked each other's brains. And he was just like, um, he was just telling me about the the mural business and how it's it's such a great way to. You know, you could be your main thing if you wanted it to, or it could be a side, a good side thing. And, um, mm. and so it's funny. Yeah. He started in comics. It looks like. Yeah. So he's got the comics thing going on. He, we, I'll, I'll get him on. I'm going to contact okay. him. We'll have him on in a couple of months. Cool. Well, so, let's do the case study though. Over a one year plan since we, it's in January. Let's watch Mark's account. Cause I, I mean, yeah. that sounds great. I mean, obviously yeah. that's a great story. But let's well, watch. We got to see if Mark wants to but, even. Yeah, get Mark on has board to commit. Like it would be like you have to do a year of pain, Mark. Like <laughs> so I would year. say, let's 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 issue this challenge to him. Do three hundred posts between now and next January. You know, twenty twenty three. Three hundred. That gives posts. you a few days off. And see what and and just see what it does. See what it does for him. Um. Our friend, and I'm drawing a blank. I'm so bad at just conjuring names. Um, he, it's a, it's somebody that we know really well. Uh, yeah, good good friend guy. of ours. We love him. <laughs> anyway, uh, this dude, um, he 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 posts every day on Instagram, and he he mm-hmm. gave me some advice. And he's like, I'm like, I don't make enough art. He's like, Will, just go post the same stuff they don't put it in the same people's feeds all the time yeah. like his his thing is post every day i can't do it i i don't know why i just i it's not in my dna to show the same stuff again but he does um he's the guy that works for um uh, he's done a lot of transformer stuff for um um harper that's um, it derek Lofner. Oh, Derek Lofman. Yeah. Yeah. Our good old friend, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> we had him on Hi, the... Hi, Derek. Did, did we have him on the podcast? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I can't remember like who I've just hung out with and talked to on Zoom yeah. and who I've actually... I've had him on my YouTube channel, <laughs> interviewed too. On the- but um, no, he, his he's like figured out a lot of the Instagram and he's just like, no, it's easy to post every day because you don't have to post new stuff all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Mark, it's totally doable. We'd love to to revisit. Let us know. What's been um, cool watching Loish. So Loish is like the I'd say Loish and Ross Draws are like the two gold uh-huh. standards of how to do Instagram, uh-huh. right? They and Jake Parker. Paint, they paint beautiful women. Okay? Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be like even sexy. Like I I'd say Loish is just she's just mm-hmm. they're beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And she does really cool 
um, environments and stuff. Ross does cool environments and stuff, right? They're posting consistently Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? They're always posting some sort of um, uh, reel, not reel, but well, they do reels, but they also do like the the stories. Mm-hmm. So they're just actively doing it. But what's interesting about Loish is I'm I, I've, I'm a patron of hers. Everything that's posted on Instagram is a month later than her Patreon. Mm. So you're see as a Patreon, you're you're as a patron, you're seeing this stuff. She's showing you the process, and so what that tells me is her month later posting. She's not posting like, oh, woke up in the morning. Oh, it's Wednesday. I got to do a post. She's scheduling these things out. Like as mm. soon as it's done, it's scheduled to post a month later. It's not tied to her mood. It's very much a it's a business like a business type of type of thing, and uh, and she's just consistent with it, you know. So, and these are people who have been doing it consistently for, I'd say, Loish has been doing this for twenty years, if you count mm-hmm. DeviantArt, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so, she was huge on DeviantArt. Yeah, is so. If you're twenty something right now. Just think, where do I want to be when I'm 40-something and start doing that now? Like, start getting those habits going. Mm-hmm. Boy, we really beat that Holy. horse. Holy crap. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Brian says, three months ago, I suggested an episode about making comics and comics publishing. Daniel seemed very into the idea. It's something that may happen in the future. Um an episode about comics and comics making we should do. Yeah. We've just been doing like question episodes and interviews. Maybe we do a deep dive episode where we just talk specifically. Like, here's how you do a Kickstarter. Here's how I you think, do a children's yeah, book. Here's how you I do think, comics. And I think when you do the comics one, you should, you should have a guest because it's not mm. my world. Yeah, it's not Lee's, Lee's world. So we'll bow out. What if you guys did a comic? No, no. <laughs> Um, get a microphone and stand on a stage let's see is there a question here it's just is there a recommendation shape for drawing cartoon comic style female torsos um i because he he says there's a light bulb for the male toaster male torso Mm -hmm. there's also the bean and the pillow for drawing toasters Uh, (laughs) torso is there a what I do for f- sort of the female thing is I think of it like um, um, I, it's hard to describe it without drawing. I, it might be like essentially an hourglass type of situation where it's just thinner in the middle, wider at both you know the top and the bottom, and then you you put arms and legs on it. But but I what's cool about it is when it's got a spine in the middle. So when you, when you bend that spine in the middle, your shoulder and your hip that are on the same side are going to compress and come closer to each other. And on the opposite sides are going to go farther away from each other. So you have these, um, oftentimes what I'll see people mess up is they'll, they'll have tilt in the same way. They'll tilt the same way and you want them going against each other. That's called contrapposto for all of you art nerds. Yeah, that always makes me hungry. <laughs> talk about contrapasta. contrapasta. <laughs> All right, toasters and pastas. 
<laughs> this guy, it's interesting. He says uh, he has a full-time career, a seven-month-old, a wife in med school, and he's still trying to do it. So this is the struggle, man. This is That's tough. Oh, we've looked at his artwork before. I remember there was a question yeah. earlier because we yeah. had some different styles going. Okay, Christopher uh, Cruz says, finishing up my BFA right now. Currently about to start my thesis class. I have a few ideas for the project, but I'm worried the ideas might be contrived or unoriginal. Any tips or guidance to make this pro- the, the a thesis project stand out? Been moving into just working in ink and coloring digitally. Also, thanks for the planner episode, work-life balance, and scheduling time to draw something I'm worried about, so it helps a lot. Uh, and then he has a link to his website. You know what would really turn heads and and you know stand out as a thesis? I would say like if you made an actual product that you could put in market, a finished mm-hmm. children's book, a finished graphic novel. I was going to say the um, same thing. Like, don't when he used the word contrived. Yeah, don't do that. That's that's like that is an indulgence that that people get to do when they pay a lot of money and are, they're in school and and they make something that they don't learn anything from and that they never use and they never look at again. And I wonder why. Like make something. Yeah, I've just looked at his portfolio again. We've reviewed him before. We did a a, a portfolio review mm-hmm. like last year or two years ago. So. Yeah, make an actual finished thing. You've got a cool style. You've got, you've, you you really did clean up your portfolio. And we told mm-hmm. him to like take off some stuff and mm-hmm. and and lean into his strengths. So I would say, you know, make a uh, make a thirty page comic, you know, and and get it professionally printed, and give a copy to all your your you know all the students and the teachers and and when they come to your show and they see all the artwork on there, they can get a copy either buy a copy or, or, or you give them away or whatever. And, uh, you know, if that's the area that you want to go in and do, I would, I mean, he's I a, he's that. more of a poster kind of artist. I mean, maybe yeah, it's a, it series a series of posters, of posters or, yeah. or, or, or the, the better choice is book covers, book covers. It's the same, yeah. same market really. Um, yep. but pick Absolutely. some kind of theme that holds all these things together and then make them unique. I mean, the one ingredient to making something kind of interesting is take something that's in that people have seen before, but then reinvent it. And so do a series of classic book covers from classic stories that everybody knows, but then your mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. way to do them. And it, it's, it's it, amazing when you can lead yeah. into that. It has to be because if you're going to really knock it out with this thing, then everyone's going to hire you to do that. So if you're not into comics and you do a comic, then you're like, you know, you what do you do? You're going to be w- turning down all these offers, right? I would do some sort of book that you could upload to Amazon on, for their print on demand. That's what I would do. But that's what do I'm into cool. right now. Do you know what I've always wanted to do is like a reskin of like a classic board game. So mm-hmm. like, you know how every 10 years they updo- update Clue? Mm-hmm. They come mm-hmm. out with new character designs and, and all. I'd love to do like Space Clue, you know, mm. <laughs> or something like that. That would be you awesome. Know, or, or Sci-Fi Monopoly or, or something like that. I think that'd be a cool project. I think people like that, though. You know, he's asking about what what kind of project knocks it out of the park. Everything you're saying is like people have a, an already built-in familiarity with, and then you add your spice on top. And it's just such a satisfying thing to look at that. Whereas if you just created a board game, I might like it, but I don't have a relationship to it. I'm not going to be like, oh, this is so original because that you're sort of comparing it against the past, which is a great way 
to come up with something kind of creative. I think for mm-hmm. Christopher, I would worry about doing sequential. It does not look like uh, he is into sequential art in any way. So be careful. I just saw it. I, when I said that, just off the cuff, I saw the, the Swamp Thing cover, and I was like, oh, it's a comic. Let's, let's he roll doesn't with like that. to do the middle. He's like me. I the co- yeah. I want to do the cover. I don't want to do the rest. Yeah. Like the, the 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 you know moving characters through space and and I, through a sequence of things. You know. I see this uh, Godzilla um, image that he did. There's something like 27 Godzilla films. Do a poster for each one of them. You know. That'd be fun. That would be so fun because every one of them is like this wild take on Godzilla that he fights a new monster every time mm-hmm. it's in a different city or whatever there's a lot of material or what if there. he did different movies he did different movies but replaced the characters with Godzilla's there you go so Titanic and Godzilla's <laughs> yes. sinking Star Wars and he's like getting blown up uh, by a, or no he's, he's flying a TIE fighter no here's the thing about being creative let's just talk about creativity for a second because my, my son had a project this is a horrible example, but my son had a project where he he is auditioning to be an editor at his school, and he he's in junior high, so not not professional level or anything like that. But he's so I'm like, what's the concept? And he said, well, we're going to show a sequence of me making Jello, and it's going to be edited and all this stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, great. And then I was like, I can't let you do that. I just can't <laughs> let you do that. It's so boring. Nobody wants to see you making Jello. So. What the conversation I had with him is the same conversation I'll have with you guys is what is the unexpected thing? If you can't just list it out, so what's why is this interesting? Then you're doing something that's contrived or you're doing something that's been done before, or and people are gonna be bored just like you are gonna be bored mm-hmm. with it. And so we came up with the idea of a of a jello monster. Like he's in the middle of explaining how to make jello, and this jello monster comes in and he fights this this monster and then and it's just and we never cut and then it go and then when he beats up the monster he goes back and finishes the instructional about I the love, jello. I love how Lisa when she was filming it she's like she's like on the action and then you come in and, and attack him and, and the action goes off film and she's still there and she's like oh wait I should be funny because she's like wait because Lisa had no you know she's doesn't come from the so much of a creative background. So my wife was saying, wait, so he's making jello and then and then a jello monster comes in and then and then you fight? Wait, she's so confused. But I was like, it doesn't matter. As long as there's something for people to talk about later. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd rather somebody hate it or love it right. than not remember it. Right. Then just be like next. Right. So, so you can't I, afford I, I, to be forgettable. Right. right. Lee, you good. you give out that advice yet you can't do that on your Instagram account. I tried. Did you see my bookmobile today? I posted a new, a new kind of bookmobile. Check out Lee Whitella. It's, if you're it's not easier to criticize other people than our than ourselves. No, no, but we made it. Like you got to just always think, what is the yeah. thing that you need to do? I mean, I'm trying to do that in the Instagram. I try to do that in illustrations, but at least you can always say, I'm like, ask yourself, has this been done before? And what is interesting about it? Mm-hmm. And try to bring something unexpected to it. Mm-hmm. That's like a right. Jello monster. If you put a Jello monster in every illustration, you'll get ten million Instagram. <laughs> your book Jello is good though, or your bookmobile. Bookmobile is pretty rad. It's fun. All right, let's get through through some of these other questions. Yeah. Okay. I got this next one. Procreate. Take it, Will. When? Well, I was going to do Jeremy Thomas. Is there? Is we already next? answered Jeremy's. We did. We answered his along with um, yeah, earlier. You know. Okay. Keep so which one do you want to go for? There's the a Procreate, procreate one. one with 
Yeah. That's not that's not a me question. I don't do color on the on Procreate, so that's Lee. Do you, huh? What would do you, you do, who are we whose is it? Tom Tom it's has Tom a Mason. display P3 oh, oh, oh. color profile for Procreate. When working Procreate, do you use this color profile or something else as a more standard sRGB mode? Uh, whatever looks good. I mean, <laughs> at, at a certain point, I mean, well, he's talking profiles, and I deal with that all the time. So, at, at a certain point, does it does it look good? In if you switch between those modes, does it change it too much? It doesn't really matter what mode you're working in in Procreate, unless you're going to print and. If you are going to print, then do not use that display P3 color profile. It's probably mm. going to not print that well because um, it looks like it's a display profile for the for your monitor or for you know a screen. Um, sRGB mode is not a great profile either. So at some point, if you're going to print something, that's the only time you have to worry about a, a, a true profile, and uh, and you're going to have to go through Photoshop <coughs> anyway. So you're switch it to CMYK if you're going to print it and whatnot. So not to get too technical, but either mm -hmm. one, if it looks good. It's fine. That's why I go to Photoshop because I, I'm not technical. <laughs> In troubleshooting something like this, I'd rather die than try to figure it out. So I just go to what works, <laughs> which is Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Uh, but for someone who doesn't isn't maybe working in Photoshop at all and wants to figure this out, I wish I could give a better answer. But I yeah. think you're. I think you did good, Lee. Yeah, if it looks good, it's good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ron O'Rourke says, uh, is the animation style viable as a professional il illustrator thinks? No. So, so if it you're is, anime. yeah, if you're, so it's like, what do you want? And that's what I would tell, like when, when I was teaching at UBU, I would say, well, one, we've decided as a faculty that we're not going to accept work in the anime style. And it would, oh, it would make so many of the students <laughs> pissed off. And, you know, especially the ones that like, that's what I do. And, and what we would try to explain to them is like, look, our job is to help you f um, find your own artistic style, okay? Like you have your own unique fingerprint style inside of you. Our job is to help you coax that out. Right now, you've already put yourself in a lane called anime, a box. And you're like, this is where I want to reside. If you know that that's all you want to do, you don't really need to go to school. I mean, like, I mean, maybe to learn some of the technical stuff, but... But like you've already got your style, so if you're doing like you were saying, Lee, if if you're if you want to just get jobs doing anime and you have a good idea of how to get those jobs, and it's like all I have to do is just get better at doing this, then sure, it's it's a viable um, style. But as far as um, as far as like getting work in children's books or in comics or um, you know book covers and um, you know stuff like that it's 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 not it's not going to work because the only people that will hire you are people that want anime um and you're yeah so i don't know what do you guys think i, I think it I, who hires somebody to do anime and i mean if you're it, i guess it depends on where you are if you're in the united states this was my challenge it's funny because we're coming at it from the things, the way that we addressed our class when people wanted to mm -hmm. do it. And they do, you know, students come up, they, they're emulating that style and they want to do it in college. Give me a studio who's hiring in that style in the United States. And if you show me well, three, three studios then, uh, or three projects or anything, then it's, it's viable. I mean, maybe now with self-publishing that changes it, but I, I don't know. I don't know you, that market. So I can't really speak to it. I don't think you do either, Lee. We don't really that, know what's out there, but, 
So I'd be hard. I bet you'd be hard pressed to find a, a place in the United States that's that's selling and producing that kind of artwork. Um, I just think it's a different market. And so if you're going to move, if you want to move to Japan or some other country that's doing that and it's a viable product there, well, then the question is, are you going to be able to compete with them? Hmm. Probably not. If you were doing amazing anime work, I mean, amazing, amazing design, every aspect of it, the design, the line work, the color, uh, the story, everything was just amazing. You could probably find work, and you don't have to move to Japan. I mean, like yeah, you, you'd you get, have to you advertise. You'd have to advertise to the people who want that kind of work. You'd have to be the best, though. You'd have to. I, but here, here's the easier advice: look at somebody like we were just talking about, Loish. Her style isn't totally out of the anime realm. It looks almost. I mean, you see what I mean. And also, Ross draws like there's a mm-hmm. kinship there, but they have elevated it. And they mm-hmm. have changed it. They have made it their own. Mm-hmm. And if you can do mm-hmm. that, it's a whole yeah. different ballgame. What if somebody, what if I'm, all right, Lee, give me advice. I'm, I'm, I'm asking this question and I'm like, all I want to do is self-publish my own anime books uh, and upload them to Amazon. So is, anim, is anime a viable style for me? It Heck is. Yeah. If, if the goal is making it and making it available yes if the goal is selling it no you guys i wanted to make lee agree with me and he did so i didn't you know. <laughs> i did not it was a caveat there's a caveat you can make anything you want if i want to do illustrations out of crochet and my goal is to make illustrations out of crochet i can do that now making a living out of crocheting illustrations that is an entirely different question so let me break it down simply here you have three options. If you if your style is anime style and you're good, you know you got your fundamentals down, you know color theory, you know composition, you know anatomy and all that, but you choose to draw in the anime style. Three options is make your own stuff. Like try to build a fan base around your stuff, okay? And sell your own comics or your own animated short films or whatever. Um, so that's option number one. Option number two find the the studios whether it's a game studio or an animation studio or uh, a publisher comics publisher or something like that that hires these uh the the hires people who do that kind of thing and submit your portfolio and get a job doing that and number three um i don't think there's a number three i think those are two <laughs> those are your two options mm. right number three would be to to move to Japan and 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 there's there's artists who have done all three of those paths that I know who've who've gone down each one of those paths and have had success but they are so killer at it mm-hmm. and everybody wants to do anime but only it's it's like anything everybody wants to do great life drawing everybody wants to do great oil painting portraits but it's really this small percentage that are able to master it to the level that that they can really mm-hmm. rock on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you just got to work, work your butt off to get, to get to that point. And if it's, if it's not in the cards, if, if you're not able to do that, then you have to shift pivot and, and figure out, you know, where it is you actually fit and, and what mm-hmm. you are capable of doing. I've been Lee, wrong before. You, I'll tell you this with, with, if you draw pretty girls in an anime style, you'll probably make a fortune. That's my new <laughs> stance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So 
Lee, you once said that you don't, you do not illustrate a picture book for under thirty thousand anymore. Uh, Maria's curious. How about young readers and chapter books? If you only do the illustration for the cover, how much is your lowest rate on that? Oh, 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 oh let me see this. Okay, well, he doesn't uh, do those. No, I want to do covers. That's, I, with my new agent, that's what I'm going to be focusing like on. Like the young um, readers, you know, those little uh, step into reading books or. Oh yeah, I'm not going to be books. doing that. Um, if you only illustrate the cover, um, so so typically, if I just got a straight cover, um, the rate around for that is about can be anywhere from twenty eight hundred to five thousand mm-hmm. for just a cover for a, for like a YA book or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those those little uh, readers, by the way, they sell. If if some of them, I mean, they have to take off, but some of them they sell hundreds of thousands of copies of my. My best paying book to date is uh, Pizza Pat, mm-hmm. which I got paid like it was seven thousand dollars. My my uh, it went through my agent. I ended up getting like five grand, fifty-two mm-hmm. fifty or something like that. And um, so it was this little tiny amount, five thousand bucks for that for that book. And I royalty wise, I think I'm over somewhere between fifty and sixty thousand dollars now on royalties. Wow. And so, um, they, and they, and I was told early on, like, when you get a chance to do these readers, don't, don't, uh, hold out for too much money because they just won't change their budget. I mean, like they have a set budget and mm-hmm. they're like, will you do it for, you know, 7,000? No. Okay. Well, will you do it for 7,000? No. You want nine? <laughs> no, we don't do that. You know, like. Right. They're going to find you know, somebody who's going to agree yeah. for that price. Um, so yeah. Okay. Are you saying that you should do them and in, in, in exchange for a possible I, I've payout done, in royalty? I did. I did a series of. I did Pizza Pat. I did, I've done like uh, nine or ten of them, but I did uh, a series of seven for Simon Schuster that did not take off, and that was one of those contracts that's like they're all linked together. Oh no! You know, so I got paid basically to do them. Like basically, you you have to pay off the royalties on all of them. You have to earn out on all of them to get any royalties at all. Gross. Which I, you think you say it's gross, but I think it's fair. Like if you were an entrepreneur, if you were offering that deal to an illustrator, you'd want to do the same thing. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to be paying an illustrator. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, put yourself in their shoes, the publisher's shoes. You would not want to pay the illustrator. If you have like six, five losing books, books that you've lost money on and one that's done really well. And you're so you're paying the illustrator, but you haven't made any money. You've lost money on the other ones, you know. So that's why they do it. If I was going to make that deal, I would. I understand that it's favorable to the publisher to make that deal. You are so so shrewd. It's so unfavorable to the illustrator. (laughs) I know that I wouldn't. If they if they came back at me, I'd be like, yeah, I can't do that. You talk about like how much money you save on like on like the guys, the contractors that come to your house and stuff, and I'm like. Oh, I mean, I find the best deal I can, but I have also paid the price for hiring the wrong person. I'll Guys, tell you that much. I'm I'm trying to be the person who's saying what you're thinking at home right now. Don't take those <laughs> deals. Don't take a deal that's come that that links a bunch of books together. I have had a couple of friends do that, and it uh-huh. it doesn't ever. Well, really but if, work what out. if it's a take it or leave it? I mean, like at the time, I needed the money. It was um, it was like a forty thousand dollar deal. Well, there's, al- there's always, there's always like, and there's, there's like four or five criteria 
criteria for when to take a job. It's not just like, oh, does it pay as much? Oh, it mm-hmm. doesn't. Okay, I'm not going to take it. There's mm-hmm. there's create how much does right. it move you forward creatively? Um, are you in a desperate situation? I mean, that's definitely going to change the you know move the needle. I will say the hard thing on that series was getting like I didn't know they were going to send me half the money up front for all seven books. Ooh. Um, and then so they sent me half the money. And then, uh, you know, I get 20 grand for not for, for doing nothing, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I told my wife, like, we need to pay, like, all of our bills and save this. This needs to go in a separate account because mm-hmm. I don't want to work for half price because they held the last half until the seventh book was done, right? Ooh. And so, yeah, so I was working on, like, book five, six, and seven for basically... It, I mean, and we didn't have any money, you know, I'm, I'm like having to do work that I wasn't getting paid for, but I had the carrot at the end and I got another chunk at the end, but boy, right. that was tough. Yeah, that's hard. So. Yeah, you guys, good job answering that question. Okay. <laughs> I love to hear your thoughts on children's book publishing then versus now. Boy, we should do an entire course on that, shouldn't we? Yeah. I want to play this video for Liz's question. Do it. Okay. So I'm going to, hopefully this is loud enough. I'm going to try to put it right where my mic is. Jason Alexander answers Liz's question perfectly. I think then we'll discuss on a, on a TikTok. Okay. Waiting for that opportunity because you didn't make it yourself and the tools to make stuff now are available to everybody. You can make a movie on your phone. If okay. you really want I, to be in our business, the business of being an actor, the days of thinking only as an actor are probably over. The most frustrated actors I know are the ones that are waiting for someone to give them the gig. Mm. You must make the gig. You must get the writers. You must get the directors. You must get the designers. You must get, if you're going to do it on film, you must get the cinematographers and the and everybody that makes filmed storytelling happen. If you're doing it on stage, you need those kinds of designers. You build your companies. You build your support systems. And you go out and make stuff. You hire yourself. And if what you're doing is good... You will A, make a living, you will B, be very happy, and C, somebody may just see it and give you an opportunity you couldn't create for yourself. But to sit there and wait for someone to give you the chance happens every day, and there's success stories every day. But the likelihood is you're going to watch the calendar pages turn, waiting for that opportunity, because you didn't make it yourself. And the tools to make stuff now are available to everybody. You yeah, can make okay. a movie on your phone. Okay, so I didn't so, actually read her question. So the question is, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on children's book publishing then versus now. I know a number of author illustrators and illustrators who are getting less work than in the past. On the flip side, in addition to being an artist, I'm a part-time school librarian and have been a librarian for 15 years. I like to know the content publishing trends but i'd love to hear from published from she the says published i feel like i know the content publishing trends but i'd love to hear from published illustrator side of things yeah 
Are there just more illustrators now than 15 years ago? It seems so tough to get a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think there's a lot also, more. She also wants is. to know how many books we illustrate in a year. But yeah, like like the days of, I think, I think Kramer, or um, not Kramer, um, George. <laughs> I think George is right. It's like um, <clears throat> there are more people than ever trying to get the the same or fewer number of gigs um there are there are changes in the industry where i would say in the past publishers published books just for fun right Mm. like just for fun like that sounds like a fun book let's publish it now it's more complicated it's like does it have the right amount of diversity is it teaching the kind of message that we want to teach um, you know, um, and you, you may not be who the publisher is looking for, you know, that's a possibility. But what he's saying is, is the tools are there for us to make the thing that we want to make. And it's a lot easier for us than what he's talking about as an actor. You'd have to have a lot of money to hire, you know, to, to gather a group of people to make a film, but to make a book is so easy now. Mm-hmm. You can make a book on Amazon for free on, on, yeah. on print on demand. And, and what he says, the right person might just see what you've made and hire you because you've already done the thing that you want to do. You're already doing it. Pat, uh, Patrick Willems is a YouTuber. I follow. He, uh, he makes, uh, he's, he's a filmmaker, went to film school, but his YouTube channel is film criticism. So he just, reviews films he's Mm -hmm. excellent at it and he makes short films as well right and and i remember a q a it was something similar to this and he's like he's like the reason i make short films and he just made a feature-length film um that he self-funded through patreon and through, you know, whether freelance work he was getting is saved up. And he says, the reason I do that is because nobody will hire you to do something you haven't done. Mm. And, uh, and so you want to make a children's book, go make a children's book and show that as a portfolio, you know, or make a collection of illustrations that show you can make a children's book. Um, and I agree with that. Like you got to, there is, uh, if you want to be like the the solo solopreneur entrepreneur type of person, you've got to do a lot of stuff on your own. If you want this to be like a side thing that maybe takes off, definitely keep that day job, work on it on the side, keep submitting, keep um, you know keep keep going for it, uh, put, putting your stuff out there. But I I don't know that you can have really broad massive success unless you're all in on this you know unless Mm -hmm. you're like really going to town and like and like and like making the things and doing the things and and putting stuff out there Mm -hmm. i will say that even even if you're going to go the traditional publishing route the one good thing that making your own project at least once does for you is it gives you an appreciation for the book's your publisher side of things, mm-hmm. how much it costs to print something, how mm-hmm. hard it is to proof something, mm-hmm. all the steps, just storing it, sending it, shipping it, all the stuff gives you a different appreciation for 
uh, getting normal kind of publishing jobs. And what it's done for me, I've, I've, I've submitted quite a few stories to publishers and been at different stages of getting something acquired. And I've never had my writing get acquired yet. It always, something happens right at the end. I don't make it or whatever. And, but I can look back on those and think, you know, I don't know if I was all in on those stories or not. I made some stories I thought were cute and I made some images I thought went with them pretty well. But was I all in on them? And now I'm thinking not because here's my new take on being a traditional publisher, working with traditional you know, clients. I, the book that I submit, I'm not going to submit it unless I'm ready to publish it too. Like, do would I invest in it? Would I pay to have it printed and do all the stuff? Because I'm going to. If, a, if the next book that I present, if it doesn't get picked up by a traditional publisher, I am going to produce it. And it's mm-hmm. a different level of commitment when you're like, oh, my money's on the line. So, you know, just dabbling in all this stuff, um, I think you do got it. I think you do have to make your own stuff. And, and Mm -hmm. in addition to submitting to the traditional markets as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, the last question she had in there was how how many books do you illustrate per year? For my speed, I can illustrate four. Um, I would only illustrate one. I've done years where like I had three year stretch where I did that pace to three or four books a year and I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful yeah. about, about yeah. burnout. I'll probably one a do, year. I'll probably do one, one and a half this year. Mm-hmm. Well, you're on a series and so that's a little yeah. bit different and it's, it's so much gig. easier too. Yeah. So much easier. Yeah. And I might even get two done this year. There's a good chance. I've already written, um, the one that I'm going to illustrate i mean like i illustrated one right at the end of last year and um and i've already written and now i'm in in the editing stage and i've already planned out my next um four books so yeah it's easy the series is way easier and strategically um more um more better (laughs) more better (laughs) strategically Uh, quite the writer for for ma- for marketing, uh, <laughs> it's advantageous. It's advantageous to it's more better to be better at making. Well, so the the thing is, um, you know, one book can help sell the next. Right. Mm-hmm. Once so, you get going, that snowball. Once that snowball's yeah. moving, yeah, it, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Do you guys have any kidlet hot takes? Do let's each I, do one. I do have one. This is a good one. Mm-hmm. fresh one in the past uh, seven years or so there's been a trend for uh, stories and concepts being bought by publishers that have no story and no main character they're con they're called concept books uh-huh. and they're very very abstract like the first page will say I like having pancakes and the next page will say and we like swimming in summer and the whole mm-hmm. book goes like that there's no characters there's no uh-huh. I mean things are happening but there's nothing t- it's not a story. And I got seven of those offers in a row, seven in a row, um, and where there's no character and no story. And talking to my new agent, we are seeing a the pendulum swing back a little bit, and stories are starting to come back into favor. But so, Lee, you know that there's a joke in there somewhere, right? What about about how you're you're the one, you're the magnet for saying nothing. <laughs> I might be, I might be, uh, because I did a book. I did a concept book, like just like we talked about on the this, this show. I did a concept book, and all of a sudden, I'm concept guy, right. you know, concept book guy. Um, That's really what it is. Is if you you knocked it out of the park with um, this pretty world. What is it called? Pretty this planet. Pretty yeah, planet. And uh, oh, man. so that like just that just got on everybody's radar, and they're like, uh, 
he's the guy. Yeah, we don't have a story. We don't have characters. Here's my question is, how did that get purchased at the publishing house? Like, they're sitting on it going, okay, we got no story. We got no characters. We need somebody who can come up with something. Why did that get acquired? Um, but my agent did say that that's what they were seeing, too. Like, that's a, there's a, you know, a huge majority of of stories that mm-hmm. were like that. And so they're coming out, you know, they're moving back to story based, which is good because it's a lot more satisfying for, for us, I think. Mm-hmm. Cool. What's your hot take, Will? I got nothing. I'll, I'll tell you my hot take. And, What's your hot take? Uh, and I can only do this because you're only supposed to punch up, right? You never punch down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Van Allsburg does not do good faces. Mm-hmm. His characters are rough anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's an environments guy. He's mm-hmm. an environments guy, which is good because his his books are all about the ambiance, the, the big the, the space, mood, the yeah. atmosphere. Have you guys looked at this? Is I was talking to David Hone about this. If you go through the Polar Express, there's barely any characters in there. Right. <laughs> right. I right. mean, it's like three pages of characters out of a 32 page book. It's all mm-hmm. just big scenes with the trains, which he, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, we were talking earlier in the podcast about playing to your strengths. Yeah. And he's definitely playing to his strengths. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. And that's your last... take? That, that, <laughs> what kind of a take is that? That's <laughs> my hot take. Okay. It's so, hot. so, so the, 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 the take is you can still be a successful uh, illustrator if you can't do good children or faces. What do for I do? Clarifying that for me. What do I do if there's a there's a book series that has made millions of dollars and I want to talk about it, but I can't mm-hmm. because all I have to say is disparaging comments about the illustrator illustrations. I can't do it. I I, I teased it, it on my YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're more you're more brave than I. Am. Is is the illustrator just not doing their job very well? So here's the thing: there's a franchise of uh, book series that's been around for probably three decades now, and mm-hmm. still going strong, right? It's like mm-hmm. if you do an Amazon search or not an Amazon, if you do a Google search for popular children's books, it comes up. At least it did for me. I yeah. shared it on my YouTube channel. I'm like, yeah. it's one of these books. That's as close it's, as I could get. It's Pete the Cat. No. Okay. Um, don't guess though, because eventually you're going to say it. Um, but the thing is, this the story is amazing. Like the idea mm-hmm. is one of those ideas that you wish you thought of because it's mm-hmm. it seems so obvious, and it's it's amazing and kids freaking love it. The illustrations are horrible, and it's it's interesting because I've talked about it before on my YouTube channel that you can you you can be an illustrator. Like I, I think what happens is, can you text see, me this because I have to know who it is. Just text it to me. I'll text it to you guys so you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Maybe you'll disagree. If um, I disagree, I'm going to say it because uh, then then we have something to talk about. <laughs> right, I, t- I tend to agree with your aesthetic, um, so I can't imagine you hating something and me being like, "No, it would it's just, great." It doesn't do this person any good to hear this. It would only wreck mm. their day, you know. So I don't want to do that at all, but, um, but look it up and like you could, one, you could interchange, you could plug any other illustrator in there, um, and it would have been successful. And it's, it's bad. And the thing that I find sad about properties like this that do really well in the marketplace with bad illustration is that it gives other illustrators, especially like the ones that go to SCBWI kind of the the um 
what, what do I want to say? The moxie to go well. Why do that I have to? It. Why do I have to learn to draw well? You know, like look at this stuff right here. You know. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. I mean, and it's not. It's, 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 it's not it's, the worst stuff you've ever seen. I'm not trying to say that. It's what I'm serviceable. Saying is, it's serviceable. Um, and it and it worked because of the idea was so good, you know. Mm-hmm. But any yeah. any illustrator could have illustrated that book, and it would have done really well. And that yeah, illustrator's right. made millions of dollars, millions, um, millions sure. over the years. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's a good hot take. There you go. There's my hot take. What do we? What do I do All with right. that information? This is. A long episode. We got a. We got one question left. We are just all over the place today. We haven't seen each other in a little while, so maybe we're uh, just like yeah. socialization. I so, got the last question answered, by the way. Yeah, what are three of the most important things to keep in mind for Kickstarter that most people don't think of? Let's each come up with one and call it good. Easy breezy on that one. Okay, Will. This is from Kay Atano. Mm-hmm. What are the three most important things to keep in mind for Kickstarter that most people don't think of? Yeah. I got a hundred of them in here. This is a checklist book that I that I made. He's holding mm-hmm. up the complete Kickstarter, complete playbook. Kickstarter playbook. So there's a yeah. ton of info in that. Uh, one of the biggest things I think is, um, is, is distribution after the Kickstarter and keeping that up. Um, one of the fallacies I had early on about Kickstarter uh, was that that's where you make the money and you see a Kickstarter that made a hundred thousand. Oh, that's a successful one. And you see one that didn't, that made 15,000. That's not as successful. I view that as the success of the project, but really finally it took, maybe you guys already know this, but it took me a while cause I'm dense that Kickstarter, as long as you fund the making of the thing, that's all Kickstarter is made for. And then you have the thing to sell. That's the journey. So you need to understand that if you get it funded in Kickstarter, what happens next? And if you have a great, um, selling platform or, or distribution channel for the product, once it's made, then the Kickstarter is a success. It doesn't have to not, it doesn't have to be a million dollar Kickstarter to be a success. It just has to get mm-hmm. made. So just understand that dynamic. That's one, that, that's, that's one thing. I mean, like if you, this is a really it's great complicated, to make money. That's a complicated process because, or idea, because there are Kickstarters where the person, the, the artist is like, you know, I just want to make, I just want to kind of be able to take home maybe a fourth or a third of what was raised. And if, and if you raise a hundred thousand dollars and they're able to keep, you know, $30,000 of profit for themselves, mm-hmm. then they, they don't want to print extra product. They just want to satisfy their Kickstarter just make the people thing. and walk away. That's actually a really viable way of thinking of it. Because um, if you, if you use some of your Kickstarter fees to print a lot of extra units of whatever it is you made mm-hmm. you may not be able to sell those later on and you may find that you spent a lot of your what would have been profit on product that has to be destroyed later on and that's happened to a it's, lot of people it's true but to, but to add to that dynamic though the the kickstarter process i don't think people realize how many little vampire bats are siphoning off you see this great kickstarter it made seventy thousand dollars how much did the artist get to keep after everybody got paid at the end? It's right. so much less than you would think. Right. Nothing. Some, some don't right. make any money at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My, and so my where one... you, where you, where you make the big money is after the fact, because now the books are made uh, or whatever the product is made. And then you're, so you're, um, 
your markup or how much you make per unit is, uh, you know, your costs have already been taken care of. Everything you sell after the Kickstarter is profit. And so but that you have to dynamic, be set up, like you said, Lee, you have to be set up with an correct. online store it's or gotta, you got to be able store. to sell it in some way. Yeah. 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 Like we did yep. with, with the little book, we, we, uh, made, I made, um, you know, I raised $40,000 on that Kickstarter was able to keep about 15,000 in profit. And then we ended up with 2000 books that we later sold at shows. Mm -hmm. And, um, I never did the calculations on exactly what we made on that, but we marked them up a lot higher than what they were on the Kickstarter. And because we didn't have a product cost at that point, because Kickstarter paid for the product, it was pure profit. So 2000 books and we were selling them at $35 per book. So yeah. whatever mm-hmm. that is, it was a chunk of money. All right. My like one thing to keep in mind is you do not have to have a video to have a successful Kickstarter. Uh, and uh, a lot of times people think, oh, you know, that's for me for a while. That was like my hang up. Like, shoot, I got to do a video too. I'm not great at video. I got to find a guy to do a video uh, or, or, you know, spend time and get the right camera and all that stuff sometimes a video can actually make it worse <laughs> if you're not good at video it can. i think if you don't have the money uh, to hire a videographer i i like the video but mm-hmm. I, I agree with you you don't have to have one to be successful but i the way i am i want to know who the creator is i want to know something about them and i think the mistake people make is they they spend too much time making a video that doesn't grip that doesn't matter and just waste time and money yeah. mm-hmm. i would love to see a short 30 second video or a minute bit long video of the creator going this has been a lifelong dream of mine this is what i've been doing with my life this is why i can do this project now why i have the skills to do it mm-hmm. and i if i get funded this will be the my dream come true and i think people love to get behind someone like that especially if, if they yeah. if the project has skills and you could do that on your iPhone, you know? I think mm-hmm. you go low tech on your video or high tech, but you don't do the middle. And like I said, without going into all the, the, the mistakes people make on videos, yeah, people try to get clever and, and funny when they're not mm-hmm. comedians. That's mm-hmm. a mistake. Like just yeah. be you. Right. Just be you. <laughs> so easy. Yeah being genuine and and showing that you have you know just an ounce of passion yeah. for something don't beg goes a don't, lot, lot don't goes beg hey way. please fund my project don't yeah. beg say why say tell like, why you're doing this why you're excited about it and why it's been your dream yeah. for your whole life like that's people get into they buy people right that's what we buy when we buy stuff we buy people right Yep. And I think that is it because we are out of time. Should we wrap it up? We should wrap it up. Let's wrap. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com. We're becoming a great illustrator starts. And today's episode specifically is made possible by our patrons. We want to thank everybody who signed up for that. And, uh, and appreciate the support. Your hosts are Will Terry, Lee White, and Jake Parker. You guys know where to find us. That's why you're here. And uh, <laughs> we just want to give shout-outs and thanks to Daniel Tu, our podcast producer. 
Uh, also, keeper of the curriculum, Austin Shirtliff, Shirtliff, show notes wrangler, Lily Howell, and chief operations officer, Lisa Fott. Now, go draw something.